from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora is live every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. You can also find it on WakeUpCallDT.com, as I said, on the homepage of WakeUpCallDT.com. That is where everything WakeUpCall-related is in one place. When you go to WakeUpCallDT.com, you will see our ticker with information that can be ever-changing. We always put our information up on the scroll right on the top. I call it the ticker. So you'll see it up there. You'll see all the pages on the top, the More tab, which will bring you to More Pages, and then the live feed right on the top. It says, listen in to Dan Tortora on Wake Up Call. Gives you the live feed, the dates that we are doing the live feed for the week, which is always Monday through Friday. And then we do some bonus stuff. You'll see that. And then you will see the RSS feed, the app powered by Podbean, and the iTunes podcast. You can click on any of those to get over 900 shows. Then you can get total access to the website by subscribing, and then you'll see all the companies we're proud to work with and the Central New Yorkers support our community by supporting local business. And then What's Happening gives you the last 10 shows loaded to the app, and you'll see them all there from most recent all the, all the way down to the 10th. And then you can get to the bracket challenge, see what happened there. We'll be discussing basketball this morning and the NCAA tournament for men's and women's, so we'll get into that. And then quick links to sports content. You can get to Syracuse football, Syracuse men's basketball, fantasy football, the American Athletic Conference, the ACC, and the Jacksonville Jaguars all in one place. And on the bottom, you will find Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So just on the wakeupcalldt.com homepage alone, you are fully stocked and fully ready to be a part of all different facets of what we do with Dan Tortora Broadcast Media. The Right Now page will give you over 500 articles, including a new player on the radar for Syracuse basketball. I posted this back on March 28th. The Syracuse Orange, fresh off a run to the Sweet 16 of this year's NCAA tournament, are already switching gears to planning for the future. A new player on the horizon for the Orange is Jalen Withers. Jalen Withers is a 2019 prospect out of North Mecklenburg High School in Huntersville, North Carolina. He stands 6'8", 6'9", could play small forward or power forward for Syracuse as they look to build their front court depth, especially now without having Darius Baisley. Withers has already piqued the interest of fellow ACC schools Boston College, Clemson, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech receiving offers from each thus far. You can see highlights of Jalen Withers in that article by clicking inside of the article. So make sure you do that on the right now page of wakeupcalldt.com. Lot to get into today. Very excited, very pumped for today's show. You know we can't do it without the morning menu. 
here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. The morning menu of topics for today, Wednesday, April 4th, the last day that my wife will be 28. She has her 29th birthday tomorrow, and we're celebrating all day long with Miss Kate, and I'm very excited for that with my babe, so I appreciate that. Wednesday, April 4th, today, the morning menu. We're going to start off the show in the first hour here from 9 to 10, beginning with 2018-19 Syracuse roster basketball talk. Then we're going to get into my 2018 NCAA tournament awards, and then we'll get into the college pro conundrum for high and prep school, for high school and prep school athletes and more in this first hour. So we're going to have some basketball talk this morning on big time topics, the college pro conundrum, getting around going to college. What do I think about that? What do I think about one and done? I've discussed this before. We're going to put it all together. And then my 2018 NCAA tournament awards, I'll give out some awards, favorite name of the tournament, you know, biggest upset of the tournament, biggest, uh, you know, uh, most feel good story of the tournament, best team of the tournament, you know, and, and doesn't this, and this the thing is like, you know, the champion is obviously proven themselves to be the best, but there's other pieces and other awards that we can give out. So 2018-19 Syracuse roster as well. We're going to discuss all of that. And in the second hour of the show, we're going to have the Jerry McNamara Power Hour, which is going to happen from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern time today. The whole second hour of the show will be Jerry McNamara and myself discussing a plethora of topics, including Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, the Elijah Hughes factor coming into the season after he sat out for, due to transfer rules, the future of the team, Darius Baisley, we do talk some NFL, Cleveland Browns, there's a lot of things that are coming up that I want to get to with Jerry McNamara, so it's all coming up in just a little bit, and we always have fun with each other, joking back and forth, so the Jerry McNamara Power Hour happens today from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time inside the second hour of Wake Up Call, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Coming up in just a little bit here on the broadcast. But like I said, we're going to get into some basketball topics before we get there. And then we will get into my conversation with Jerry McNamara. So, first thing to talk about, the 2018-19 roster for the Syracuse Orange. Let's take a little dive into that and, and see what we can discuss here about this upcoming team. I know people, after the season ends, are already... Looking at next season, and as it stands here today, you know, I'm constantly check, constantly checking online. Whenever I have a conversation about Tyus Battle, I'm always looking and going, okay, did he say anything? Did he say anything? Hasn't said anything yet. So, Frank Howard will be coming back as a senior. Frank Howard has more than boosted himself from <clears throat> what Frank used to be on this team, especially offensively for the team. I want to take a look at Frank Howard's numbers. And bring those up for you here and and tell you how drastically things have changed for Frank Howard offensively on this squad. So if we take a look at Frank over the years, when he was playing as a freshman in 2015-16, 
Frank averaged 1.6 points per game. Played 10.5 minutes per game. Attempted two shots a game. Then in 2016-17, with Torian Thompson shooting, Tyus Battle shooting, John Gillen shooting, Tyler Lydon shooting, Andrew White the third shooting, he only attempted four shots a game and had 4.5 points per game. With all those guys gone, Tyus ba- except for Tyus Battle and Battle needing some help offensively, Frank Howard went from playing 10 minutes in his first season to 16 minutes in his second season to 38.4 minutes in his third season and the majority of the time playing 40 minutes, attempting 13 shots a game, upping his field goal percentage. Here's something great about Frank. The more he shot, the better his percentage was. He had 28.6% when he only attempted two shots a game as a freshman, 35.3% when he attempted four shots as a sophomore, 37.6% when he attempted 13 shots. So he upped his average shots per game by nine more shots and went up almost 3% in his field goal percentage. So the more he shot, the more he made. How about that? He also upped his percentage in three-point from 10% to 31% to 32.7. He upped his free-throw percentage from 50% to 62% to 71.9%. His rebounds from 1.3 a game to 1.7 a game to 3.5 a game. His assists from 1.8 to 3.6 to 4.7. His steals to from a half to one to almost two a game. And his turnovers, which this season were close to five in the beginning, he lowered that to 3.4. And his points went from 1.6 to 4.5 to 14.4. One of the most improved players across the board here is Frank Howard. Going from 16 minutes a game to 38 minutes a game, almost 40 minutes a game, most of the time 40. He was playing 22 more minutes a game. He was playing a half more than he usually played. A half. Because it's 20 minutes to 20 minutes. He's playing 22 minutes. He's playing a half more than what he played last season. And he upped his points by 10 a game. He upped his assists by almost 2 a game. He upped his rebounds by 2 a game. He upped his free throw percentage, 3-point percentage, and field goal percentage. So just because he was playing more and just because they needed him more did not mean that any of this was going to go up. Just because Frank Howard had to be on the court more didn't mean that any of his percentages were going to go up. That's all Frank. That's his hard work. That's his determination. That's his push. That's his drive. That's his want to. Frank Howard, most improved player on the team, hands down this season. Most improved player on the squad. Tyus Battle, if he is to stay and come back next season, Tyus, in two seasons with Syracuse, averaged as a freshman 11 points per game in a crowded shooting team. And then with a team that needed scoring and needed it fast, he went from 11 points a game to 19.2 points per game. His steals stayed around one a little bit more. Didn't commit a lot of fouls. As a freshman, 1.9 a game. As a sophomore, too. He's not the guy fouling out of anything. His turnovers, 2.4. Not bad. But his percentages went down as he shot more. See, as Frank shot more, 
his percentages went up. As Tyus shot more, his percentage went down. He took 8.6 shots a game as a freshman and had 43%. Took 15.8, almost doubled it as a sophomore, shot 39.9%. Took 4.8 threes a game as a freshman, 36%. Took 6.5 as a sophomore, 32%. Free throws went up, though. He went to almost 84% at the charity stripe. So as he took more field goal attempts, he made less. Whereas as Frank took more, he made more. So I just I want to put that up, and this is not to knock Tyus. It's to state that Frank is better than people give him credit for. As Frank took more shots, he made more shots. As he took more opportunities, his percentages went up. As Tyus took more opportunities, his percentages went down. So just to show you the worth of Frank Howard to this team, to take nothing away from Tyus, but so many people know Tyus as a scorer, respect Tyus, appreciate Tyus, and I want to let you know that Frank actually did better taking more shots than Tyus Battle. It's just an interesting statistic. Tyus, if he comes back to this team, is one of those guys that is a big-time player for the team, did so much for the team, put the ball in his hands, and he makes it happen. His step-back jump shot against Michigan State helped to seal the deal for Syracuse. I mean, this man plays out of his mind, and when he's out of a game, he's never truly out of it. Tyus Battle as a sophomore, one of the biggest leaders Syracuse had in the fastest fastest amounts of time. He was he came into the season knowing that he had to be the guy. <laughs> he came into the season with Frank Howard saying the team has to go through Tyus Battle. Tyus took this pressure as a sophomore and responded with great poise and yeah there were some times where he forced shots and he was trying to you know make everything and do this that and the other thing he felt the pressure on him and tried to do what he could but more often than not Tyus Battle came through for Syracuse and as the season went on he got smarter as the season went on he seemed to force less as the season went on it didn't look like he was just taking anything but he was being more strategic and I give him a lot of credit for his growth during the season and not just growth from freshman to sophomore, but his growth as the season went on as well. I give him a lot of credit for the work that he put in. I don't think anybody in their right mind could discredit the importance of Tyus Battle to this team. But in the backcourt as a whole, Tyus will tell you Frank's a big part, and Frank will tell you Tyus is a big part. And on this show this morning, you need to know that if those guys are together next season, could be one of the best backcourts in the country. If they minimize their turnovers, Tyus and Frank, and that can help with you know not having the ball in their hands the majority of the time and having some time to rest and not having to play 40 minutes a game, Tyus and Frank together again with everything they did this year that they weren't supposed to do, allegedly, Syracuse becomes so much more dangerous because you have them both and depth. Another guy I want to talk about that averaged 14.9 points per game as a true freshman, coming back on this team as a sophomore from Mississauga up in Canada, the man they call O'Shea Brissett. Played 38 minutes a game as a freshman on average. Most of the time, 40. 
averaged 35% from the field, taking 12 shots a game. 33% from three-point range, and he went up and down from there, but he's got a nice stroke, and he can make it happen. Smart enough to step inside the arc when the three's not falling and then go back out instead of just forcing threes all night. 78.7% from the charity stripe, 8.8 rebounds a game, 14.9 points per game. Doesn't turn the ball over that much, 1.9. Doesn't foul that much, 2.2. Smart on the fouls, smart on the turnovers, and averaged almost a double-double as a true freshman. O'Shea Brissett could be one of the best forwards in the ACC, could be one of the best forwards in the country next season. Averaging almost a double-double, you can't help but look at that. Marek Dolajai, somebody who... Every time he got the ball and it looked like he was going to take a, a jump shot, he didn't take it, right? During the season, he didn't do it. He had the opportunity, and he wouldn't do it. Then, as they went into the postseason, as they got into NCAA tournament play, all of a sudden, Marek said, if you need me, you got me. Coming from Slovakia, shooting 53.7% from the field, playing almost 28 minutes a game. Free throw percentage, 71%. Didn't turn the ball over that much, 1.4. 2.8 fouls per game, 5.8 points per game. Now, the statistics don't adequately show what he did because against TCU, he had 17 points. Against TCU, he was 8 for 13. Against TCU, he made a three-point shot that he forced up to beat the shot clock in the first half. Against TCU, he shot 61.5%, had four rebounds, fouled out of the game, and still had 17 points and was 8 for 13. Then against Duke, he had 13 points in 29 minutes, 6 for 8, four rebounds in that game, 75% from the field. Marek Dolajai, in the, in the NCAA tournament, at the most opportune time, the most important time, the winner-go-home time, he came through. When Syracuse needed Marek the most, he stepped up. And Adrian Autry told me that his teammates were saying to him, you need to shoot. You need to look for your shot. During the season, in the regular season, they were saying, Marek, you have to shoot. You have to go after it. You have to take your opportunities to the point where if you don't, it's detrimental to the team. If you don't take the shots. If people know that you're not going to shoot. If they know every time you get the ball, you're going to pass it off. Like Matt Moyer. Like Matt Moyer. It wasn't a decoy because Matt was almost never going to shoot. He was always looking to pass the ball. Which means that anybody can jump that route, so to speak. Jump that passing lane, steal the ball, and take off. Matt Moyer could get rebounds. He could do some things in that respect, but he wasn't going to shoot. And if Marek wasn't going to shoot, then everybody knew it was Tyus, Frank, and O'Shea. When Marek started shooting, when Marek started attacking, when Marek started going down the paint and getting after it, all of a sudden, the games open up. All of a sudden, Arizona State, TCU, Michigan State, Duke, they got to spy him. They got to watch him. And if you're watching him, you're somebody's not watching O'Shea. Somebody's not watching Frank. Somebody's not watching Tyus. He 
brings the game to a whole nother level. He opens up opportunities for the guys that you expect to score after this season. Marek Dolajai, if he comes into his sophomore season attacking the way he did as a freshman, improves his jump shot, and continues to build his confidence, this is another guy on the team that could have 10 points a game. This is another guy on the team that they have to look out for. That that means that four guys out of the five are going to be shooters out there. And you don't expect your center more often than not to be a shooter, so to speak, if he's a true center, which Syracuse has. So they're right on par for the course at that point. Then you have Pascal inside and Barama Sidibe inside. Barama and Pascal, two good guys. Two strong guys. Two guys that don't get enough respect. Pascal Chuku went 63% from the charity stripe, but he made a whole hell of a lot more in the second half. He's more of 70 and 70 plus if you look at the second half of the season and down the stretch. Then I look at somebody like Barama Sidibe, who didn't play 100% all season long, who was hampered by injury and told me about it a couple games into the season. And look at what he did with his season. How he affected the team in a positive way this season. Going after rebounds. Blocking shots when he felt better earlier on. His statistics are not going to show you anything where you're going to go, oh my God, he did all that? You had to watch the games to see what Barama did. You had to watch the games to see how effective he was. He goes after everything. Now, he's got to be smart on fouling. He's got to be smart on that. This is the thing. You want to find a happy balance between being smart with your body and being tenacious. Because you don't want to tell him, hey, don't go after the shots because you're going to get called for a foul. So then he won't block anything, and then he won't help out in the middle at all. And then it just looks like people are just hopping like a bunny over him, and he's not doing anything. You don't want to do that. Barama, every time the ball comes near him, he told me. He said, I want it. He said, when the ball comes my way, I want it. I'm going to take it. I want it. And he said, you know, when the guards aren't looking for us on offense, I have to get those rebounds because I want the shots and I want to score like everybody else. So he is very, 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 very tenacious. He wants to block everything that comes to the basket. He reminds me of Dikembe Mutombo when it comes to that. When he doesn't think that anybody should ever get a clear shot at the basket ever if he's out there. And Pascal, same type of feel. He wants to block you. He wants to make you know that he is there. He doesn't want to make anything easy for you. So Syracuse has two true centers. Most of the time in Syracuse's history, they didn't have one true center. Now they have two. The last center we can really say is Rakeem Christmas. But he was a forward who was converted. He doesn't play center in the pros. He's a forward. So, outside of that, Fab Mello was off and on. Bless his heart in heaven. So you want to go a little bit farther than that, you say Renze Onowaku. But he didn't shoot free throws like Pascal. So, these guys, Barama and Pascal, if they get, if they get smarter on staying out of foul trouble... Slash Barama gets healthy. These centers are extremely dangerous, and you can use them interchangeably. 
You could play one for 20 and the other for 20. You don't want to rotate them because they're in foul trouble. You want to rotate them because they're dangerous. And the thing is, there's not much drop-off. Pascal wants to block the heck out of you. So does Barama. Barama can make free throws, but if he got better, then they're both... Because exa- you look at it, Pascal make, Pascal's tallest guy on the team, 7'2", makes free throws. They both block shots. Pascal's got to work on his hands. They both go after rebounds. If these guys work on their hand-eye coordination, keep the ball above their waist, go right back up with it, Barama gets better at the charity stripe. They both get better when it comes to fouls. I know there's a lot of ifs in there, but there was a lot of positive signs from these guys. And the thing is, before you critique them, look at some of the other centers that Syracuse had and how insignificant they were points-wise and how they didn't have good hand-eye coordination and how they didn't do this and they didn't do... You have to look back to Syracuse's history and say, is there a seven-footer that was making free throws like Pascal down the stretch when all the pressure's on him and he's not at home? Is there somebody like Barama who defensively was automatically a factor on the team? So I look at these two guys and I say, you could critique them up, down, today, tomorrow, whatever, but are you critiquing them with intelligence or are you just critiquing them? Because if you expect them to be 10 and 10 guys, if you expect them to be double-double every night, they're true centers. That might not happen. But what can happen is that Syracuse can be that team that people struggle to go inside against. If they get smart on their shots, they're going to have guys run down the lane, go up, and they're going to kind of fidget with the ball and either be called for a travel or they're going to force up a shot. They can be a chain-link fence. I look for them to do that. And speaking of Pascal and Barama and their confidence, I think Syracuse has two good centers. I think Syracuse has two centers that should have playing time, that shouldn't be looked over. I think that they have talent there, and I hope that they continue to improve so that they could show that talent. Howard Washington Jr. didn't play that much. I like Howard a lot. I interviewed Howard extensively after the Duke game. Even though he didn't play, I want to get his thoughts, his take, his health, his rehab, all of that. Howard Washington can be an X factor for this team. Because Howard, you know, Beheim kept saying, I don't want to go small. I don't want to go small. I don't want to put three guards out there. So, because he played Frank and Tyus so much, we hardly saw Howard Washington Jr. When we did see him, if he made a mistake, <clears throat> it was bye-bye. If he didn't make a mistake, it was still bye-bye. Been there, done that. I did that in high school. I'd go out, do the right thing, my coach would take me out. I'd go out, do the wrong thing, coach would take me out. Some people had a leash where they could make nine mistakes and not come out. If I made one, I was out of the game, maybe for the rest of the game. So I understand where Howard came from. I didn't have a glorious high school career. I hit threes. I did what I needed to do. I was a really good free throw shooter, and my coach never put me in at the end of the game to shoot free throws. He put in a guy who shot 30%, and we lost games and went through really tight squeakers because of the fact that my coach, in my opinion, was not intelligent enough to put the good free throw shooters on the court at the end of the game. Whether or not we played at all during the game, there were some of us that hit our free throws. There was like an 80% guy, and I was like 80-90. 
I shot free throws all day, every day. If I didn't go 9 for 10 or 10 for 10 shooting 10 in a piece, I would just do it again. I'm known for going outside in the sleet and shooting 100 to 200 free throws. That was what I did. I loved Jerry McNamara's game because I shot threes and made free throws. And when I think of Jerry McNamara, I think of shooting threes and being an amazing free throw shooter. And those are two biggest facets to my game. Now, I'm not Jerry McNamara, but damn it if I couldn't make free throws and three-point shots. So, and if I put my money where my mouth is, I'll prove it to you on the court that I can make those shots. So, you know, Howard Washington, I understand when you're not, (laughs) when you're not doing anything wrong, you're still not playing. And it's frustrating. At the same time, I really hope that whatever is going on, that he hasn't fallen out of favor with Jim Beheim because the Caleb Josephs of the world and the Geno Thorpes and the Matt Moyers and whatnot, they leave. And I don't want to see that happen with Howard. If Howard's on this team with Jalen Carey and Frank Howard, there's three point guards. Remember, Frank is done after this year. After 2018-19, this is his senior season. So Syracuse, if Howard's playing a lot, and Jalen's playing a lot, then they have two point guards. So they have three right now. They're stacked. But they'll have two for the future without Frank, and Frank's going to be a huge loss if Frank continues to do what he did this year and get better. Just remember that. So you might say to me, Dan, why would Howard be on this team in 2018-19? Because of 2019-20. That's why. That's why. And then we go outside of that. And look to the rest of the roster this season, or coming into this season, I should say, 2018-19. Elijah Hughes, a little X factor here, Mr. Elijah. Elijah Hughes has not played a game in a year. Now, he practiced. He was around the team. I was told that he's changed his body. He's improved himself. For East Carolina, he played one season. And he played one season, had 20.5, Johnny said LOL, I don't know what Johnny's talking about over here. ECU, 20.5 minutes per game, 34.9 field goal percentage, 27% from three, 7.8 points per game, 2.3 rebounds per game as a freshman. So when you look at that, The numbers aren't huge. They're not extremely substantial, but Elijah Hughes only played one season. He's got three more seasons to play. So, and he's worked in practice. He's worked on his body type. He has achieved the respect of his teammates from the conversations that I've had. And if he's building his muscle, building up his body, he's got good size He's got three seasons to play. He's six foot six as a guard. I'm told that he can rotate from all over the court from guard to forward. He's an X factor on the upcoming team this season. So we discussed Frank, Pascal, Tyus, Barama, O'Shea, Howard, Marak, and Elijah. Then Buddy Beheim comes in. We all know Buddy can shoot, and Buddy's trying to prove himself that he's so much more than a shooter, and that he can do more than that. And then Jalen Carey, who will be on the show tomorrow. He's going to tell his story, but he's got an amazing story and what he's dealt with in his life and what he's gone through in his life and what he's had to have in his life on the other side of him that he's had to overcome 
Jalen Carey playing basketball should be chump change to growing up in Harlem, growing up in the ghetto, growing up in the projects, growing up and having to live without his sister who just passed within the past year. Seeing his parents work all day long. So, oh, I see what Johnny's saying. We'll get to that in a second. So Jalen Carey is coming to this team with a phenomenal story and plenty that this young man has been through when he's not even a freshman in college yet. And Buddy Bayheim, Bayheim wouldn't put him on the team if Bayheim didn't think he was good enough to be on the team because you know Bayheim doesn't want to deal with that. And Bayheim, I believe, genuinely loves his children, even though people think that, that Jim Bayheim is the guy from Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. He's not. He does love his children. He loves his players. He loves his team. And if he didn't love this game, he wouldn't keep doing it. So when it comes to Buddy, who was on the show this week, and you can listen back to that. I'll be loading that up this week. When it comes to Buddy, if he didn't think Buddy could handle it, if he didn't think that this was a good place for Buddy, then he would have said something. Because Buddy got offers from Gonzaga. Buddy had opportunities to play all over the country. And Gonzaga is not too shabby. For a shooter like Buddy, and going to the tournament, potentially getting to the Elite Eight in the Final Four with Gonzaga, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. But he came to play at Syracuse. This is where he's going. Brewster Academy out of Wolfsboro, New Hampshire, coming in as a shooting guard, wants to prove that he's more than just a shooter, but automatically gives some depth behind Tyus Battle. So you have depth at shooting guard, depth at point guard, depth at center, depth at forward. Syracuse has 10 guys, and everybody's worrying about Darius Baisley, but there's two deep at least at every single position. So before you go worrying, go look at it. Do some homework on this team. That's what this morning was for. Taking a look at the 2018-19 roster and helping you to see that Syracuse on paper is a dangerous team. And if Syracuse proves that they're better than the paper that people write about them than the stories that they say, well, this team made it to the Sweet 16 and did a lot of amazing things. That was five and a half to six guys a game. You got 10 guys, healthy, depth at every position. Tyus can come out for five minutes. Frank can come out for five minutes. O'Shea can come out for a few minutes. Yeah. This team could be stacked without Darius Baisley. Just, just some food for thought. Johnny said, on second thought, can we alter our bets? And our bet is that if Detroit wins the NFC North and the NFL, that I owed him Chick-fil-A. And if they lose, if anybody else wins, he owes me Chick-fil-A. That's kind of like the bet in Guardians of the Galaxy where Drax, where the bet with Drax is... It's between Drax and Star-Lord. And if Mantis's antenna are for... He's like, Drax thinks that your antenna are to, re, are to tell you when there's a doorway so you don't hit your head. He said, if your antenna are for literally anything else, I win the bet. That's how I feel with Johnny when it comes to Detroit winning the NFC North. If it's literally anything else, I win. He wants to change the bet to us having a shoot-off in basketball and a game of horse for Chick-fil-A. I'm down. Johnny, see, here's the thing. 
When I say on my radio show that I can shoot, I'm not. I don't lie to people. I never lie to people. I'm not going to come here on this show and lie. After 15 years of not lying, I'm not going to lie now. I tell people all the time, I always could shoot the basketball. I'm a good free throw shooter. I'm a good three-point shooter. I could shoot from anywhere on the floor. I worked a hell of a lot on that game. The one thing that I didn't do is work on my endurance. I didn't run track. I didn't do that a lot. So my detriment was that I didn't have the endurance and I didn't run enough. So my body wasn't prepared for the entire game. But shooting, I could shoot all day. God-given talent to shoot, I personally need to run more. That's blatant honesty. Blatant honesty. I'm telling you all right now, I need to work on my endurance and my stamina, but I could shoot that rock. I'm telling you the truth. So, I'm just saying, just letting you all know. So Johnny wants to do that. Okay, so Johnny, we have changed it because he knows that Detroit's not going to win. So that's why Johnny's really changed the bet. Johnny and I have officially, he said the lights may go out with his shooting. That's only if you hit one of the lights that's out there on the court, Johnny. The only way the lights go out on your shooting is if you end up hitting one of the lights that's at the park. But I still love you. Johnny and I have officially changed our bet. I'm putting it up right now. Changed our bet to a game of horse for Chick-fil-A. He said smack talking, skywalking. So I'm not trying to smack talk, man. I'm just saying. But see, I haven't seen Johnny shoot. Maybe Johnny's got it. Maybe Johnny and I are going to go out there and make it happen. Maybe we're going to shoot lights out. I don't know. All I know is I trust my shot. So, Johnny and I have officially changed our bet since he knows that Detroit has no chance of winning the division this year. And we have instead decided to play horse for Chick-fil-A. I'm going to let Jimmer Sikowski, the owner-operator of Chick-fil-A, know that we are doing a Chick-fil-A bet that has to do with horse. And maybe, just maybe, we can connect him with it. And maybe, just maybe... We could bring a hoop somewhere into the parking lot of Chick-fil-A. I don't know. Could be fun. Could be interesting. But I'd like to connect Jimmer to it. So I got to get out there and practice. We're going to take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora so I can get some shots up. And we're going to come back with my NCAA Tournament Awards in just a minute. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, 
Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalwear, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show and being a part of Wake Up Call every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I very much appreciate it and thank you for that. So, mixlr.com backslash Wake Up Call DT if you haven't become a member yet. Want to get into my awards for tourney time. So, I have a bunch of different awards that I have set up here for 
the NCAA tournament for men's and women's basketball. So I'm going to tell you what I have here. And it's going to be, I'm very excited for this. Very, very excited for this. So here we go. We're going to do my awards. So I have a bunch of different awards. Heritage Love is one of my awards for this year's NCAA. See, they're not like MVP and this, that, and the other. They're very different. Heritage Love Award for the NCAA tournament this year goes to Dante DiVincenzo of the Villanova Wildcats, national champions, and he was voted the, the top player of the game. But I chose Dante DiVincenzo for the Heritage Love Award because he's Italian, and the better he played, the more people came out and said, if you want to... If you want to do something right, let an Italian do it, and gave a lot of love to Italians, and was talking, you know, so many people talking about the Italian heritage in connection with Dante DiVincenzo, so the way he played, the effort that he gave, and everything that he did, ended up bringing a lot of love to Italians, and being Italian, I I approve, I appreciate, and I thank Dante DiVincenzo for repping Italy so well. So he wins my Heritage Love Award for the NCAA tournament. My feel-good story of the NCAA tournament is twofold. My feel-good story of the NCAA tournament is Notre Dame in their championship, taking down Mississippi State, who is a very good team in recent history, and of course UConn, who did not lose a game before that one, 36-1 this season because of their loss to Notre Dame, who kept them out of the championship and ultimately they won the championship. So my feel-good story is twofold. Notre Dame on the women's side and UMBC on the men's side. The UMBC, the Retrievers, retrieved the first ever win for a 16 seed in the tournament. I thought I'd see it before I left God's green earth. I didn't think it would be before I turned 60. UMBC, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, got a victory over, this is not the University of Maryland. This is not the Terps, folks. This is Maryland-Baltimore County. That school, that university, a 16 seed after they went 0-135. They are now 1-135. One win, 135 losses. No longer totally defeated are the 16 seeds, thanks to UMBC, who not only took out a number one seed, but took out the number one overall seed in the entire tournament of 68 teams who had won the regular season ACC and the conference tournament in the ACC, taking down Virginia. Feel-good stories, UMBC and Notre Dame of the women's side. Best local story, Buffalo, St. Bonaventure, and Syracuse, not only all winning at least a game, but all ousting single-handedly the Pac-12 from the tournament. Arizona gone at the hands of Buffalo. St. Bonaventure takes out UCLA, and Syracuse handles Arizona State. The best local story of the tournament, Buffalo, Bonnies, and Cuse taking out the Pac-12 and all getting victories. The Bonnies, the first one in a very, very long time, and Buffalo wreaking some havoc. Now, mind you, I chose the Bonnies, Syracuse, and Buffalo to win all those games when they ousted the Pac-12. Favorite person that didn't play in the tournament, Sister Jean, 98 years old and feeling good. My grandma lived to be 100 and a half in nine days, and she reminds me of my grandma, and I hope she lives to be 100 and a half, and then some, and then some, and years and years, 105, 110. Sister Jean, do it for you, and do it for G-Mama. My favorite player that didn't play in the tournament, Sister Jean. 
And finally, my final award for the NCAA tournament, my favorite name of the tournament, men's and women's combined, Arike Agunboale is my favorite name of the tournament, and why not? She had the game-winning shot against UConn in overtime and the game-winning shot to keep the game from going into overtime in the national championship against Mississippi State. My favorite name of the tournament, Arike Agunboale. So, my awards, five of them for the NCAA tournament, Heritage Love, Italian, Dante DiVincenzo. Favorite name, Arike Agunboale of Notre Dame's women's team. Feel Good Story, Notre Dame women, UMBC men. Best Local Story, Buffalo, Bonnies, and Cuse getting dubs and ousting the Pac-12. And my favorite person that didn't play in the tournament, Sister Jean of Loyola, Chicago. Those are my awards. We will now take a step aside, and when we come back, it's the Jerry McNamara Powwow. So we didn't get to the conundrum of college basketball and pro and all of these ways that you can find your way into playing professional, even if you don't go to college for at least a season. We'll we'll move that conversation to tomorrow. I don't want to rush that one, and we got to get into the Jerry McNamara Power Hour. So I'm not going to rush the conversation. We're going to hold off on it, and we will have that conversation tomorrow. So for those of you excited about college and pro talk and what I think about the rules and what needs to change and whatnot, we will have that front and center tomorrow on the broadcast here on Wake Up Call with Dan Totora. We'll take a step aside, and when I come back, it's the Jerry McNamara Power Hour. You don't want to miss a moment of this conversation. Coming up next. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily you know we bring in local produce we prepare to order in the kitchen we hand bread our chicken we hand spin our milkshakes it's it's great food it doesn't taste like fast food i I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a chick-fil-a restaurant it's different we we try to treat people with intentional kindness here which is very different and deeper than good customer service and so i think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. 
with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Live shows airing every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right to your desktop, laptop, to your pocket, whatever phone or device you have with you. If you have the internet, you have Wake Up Call, and I appreciate you listening in to the show. Also on TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Podbean, the Podbean app, and the website WakeUpCall.com. DT.com. Plenty of ways to get involved. And speaking of getting involved in a lot of different ways, Jerry McNamara, former Syracuse player, Syracuse assistant coach, somebody who's obviously out there recruiting for the team, a jack of all trades, and, and someone who has uh, has always meant something to me. I, I told Jerry about this, and, and I don't know if Jerry remembers, but the first time I met Jerry McNamara, I found very funny. And I'll tell that story in just a second. Let's bring him in. Jerry, how you doing today? Dan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, and, and I don't know, do you remember exactly how we met for the first time? Because it was in Scranton. I know we've talked about it. Do you remember? Was it one of my high school games, perhaps? No, no, it was, you came in, I was working at ESPN Radio, and it was uh, ESPN 630, 1240, and 96.1 FM, and you were coming in, for some reason, my bosses had gotten in touch with you, and you were touring the place, and you walked by, and when you went to Syracuse, I went to Marywood in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And so we kind of flip-flopped hometowns. And I, I saw you go by, and I was like, I got to say hello to him. So I brought you over, and I said, Jerry, you know, and, and on my I had logos on my cubicle for ESPN and all that stuff, and the Syracuse logo was at the top. And I remember that's how we met. And I called my mom. I was like, hey, I always said that, you know, Jerry and I should get in touch with each other since – we're the keepers of each other's hometown right now. And and that's how we have, we officially met in an office building that had nothing to do with sports. So I thought that was kind of funny. Well, here we are today. And you, you, you took over Greenridge PA for me for, for a couple years, huh? Yeah. I, I, you know, listen, all I could say is when I walked by all the storefronts, I felt like I was back at home because there was a number three jersey in pretty much every single sports store. <laughs> Right in the right in the, the corner on uh, West Market Street and North Washington Avenue at Timmy Wagner's, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. It was it was inside the mall at Steamtown as well, and I I thought it was really cool that and I'll never forget this. Right by Marywood, there's a house on the corner, and it's like 
uh, like two blocks from Marywood, and they had a, a sign on the front lawn that said Jerry McNamara for mayor. And I won't forget yeah. that either. <laughs> I mean, that was my uncle's job for 12 years. I'm no politician. I left it up to him. Yeah, and the fact that one day when I came home from Marywood, I came home with, I think there was three buses because they used to send buses from Scranton to Syracuse to take up. I think uh, I, I pretty much, if any Syracuse fan remembers, there was about seven sections you could never buy at an SU game because they were McNamara fans. Yeah, I tell you, it's a unique, unique place. Yeah, one of the things that I've always loved about Syracuse is uh, how similar it was to my hometown. You know, blue collar, good people, people you want to be around, places where you want to raise your families. You know, uh, you know, you got to experience it firsthand in both both areas. But uh, you know, I'm I'm incredibly blessed. Uh, you know, of my upbringing. Uh, you know, Mary, would you? Geez, you resided right in the, the backyard of. of Vice President Joe Biden, who was right down the street from where I grew up, right where you went to school. So uh, a lot of history and, and certainly the following I got when I came to school here was something that I never envisioned, uh, you know, but but certainly something that I always, you know, greatly appreciated. Yeah, and it made life easy for me because I was like, where, what? who do people cheer for in Scranton? And they're like, oh, you know, Penn State and Jerry McNamara. So. And Notre Dame football. You're either, if you're, if you're <laughs> from Scranton, you're either a Notre Dame football fan or a Penn State football fan. You're nowhere in between. I, I, I might be in the rare 1% that actually uh, rooted for Penn State because my father did a little bit. My brother was diehard Notre Dame. But, you know, if you watch Penn State this year, it was difficult not to like a guy like Saquon Barkley. I know that. Yeah, you know, and, and the potential number one pick, Saquon Barkley, yeah, as well. Unbelievable. So before we go anywhere with anything, I got to ask you about a team that has orange, even though they're called the Browns. Are you, are, are you, I mean, it's safe to say, and my, my wife's father said that he goes, why didn't you say anything about Cleveland on your show recently? I was like, you weren't listening every day because I, I made a comment, Carlos Hyde, Jarvis Landry, Tyrod Taylor, they didn't lose any draft picks. They have numerous picks. They have first rounders, second, third, and all. Is it safe to say, and I know this is a sign of the apocalypse and, once it comes out of my mouth, Jerry, it, it, we, you might feel the room shake a little bit. Cleveland's might be good this year. You talking about the Browns? Yeah, I talk about the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> Who's what combined one for thirty, one and thirty-one the last two seasons? Yeah, a, a team that's that came back in '99, but I'm still waiting for them to take the field. Yes. Yeah, you know, I, I have to be honest. This isn't my my expertise. Um, you know, with with our season, and, and uh, you know, I had said. At one point, I think it was the AFC championship game, potentially, that it was the first full football game I had watched uh, all season long uh, because of, you know, our season coinciding with, uh, you know, other major sports. It's just so difficult with the scouting and, and you know, trying to keep up on recruiting and uh, scouting opponents and, and working with your guys. It's so difficult to watch. You know, it's funny that you mentioned this because I actually, on the way into work today, uh, I actually was listening to ESPN radio and heard them. Uh, I think it was Wingo and Golick were, were speaking about, uh, you know, the Browns being good this year. Uh, you know, they've, they've amassed quite a bit of talent. Uh, you know, I think it's anybody that's been in the city, that city, it's, it's a sports town. It's one that's, you know, prior to LeBron coming back and winning a championship has craved, uh, you know, a championship. And then obviously with the Indians doing what they've done, being relevant, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's on the uptick. Is it going to be the new Philadelphia with with what the Eagles have done, and uh, you know certainly with what Villanova did? Uh, you know, I think it's a, a sports town that's on the rise. And Cleveland, would, if, if if they get going, it's going to be a big boost for them. And I, I heard you say that you listen to my old family 
over at ESPN, but but I know that you know we're we're bringing Jerry over here to wake up call as well. So, <laughs> a ver- versatility, Dan. You know, versatility. <laughs> you got to be versatile. I understand that. Now, the AFC Championship game that you watched, mind you, that w- I was at that game because I've covered the Jaguars for nine years. Your guy Kip Wellman always goes back and forth with me, and he was giving me some hell for Blake Bortles this year, and and uh, he wasn't. He was he went from giving razzing me in the locker room at Syracuse to, you know, giving me some respect, shaking my hand and saying, okay, I think you, you might know a thing or two. But they went to the AFC Championship in that game that you watched. I was on site for the final six-minute debacle of Jacksonville not going to the Super Bowl, which would have been wonderful. Well, I, you know, I, you're, you're probably, you know, being there, I think you, you can refresh my memory a little bit. But I think Bortles had a really good first half in that game. And if I'm not mistaken, the guy on the other sidelines that plays quarterback probably had a little bit something to do um, with with the other squad maybe advancing to the NFL Finals, to the Super Bowl. Am I, am I correct on this? You know, I, I'll, all I can tell you is the other guy that you refer to, the name that we do not speak of, that man never went the full length of the field. He was given a you know, he got a touchdown off of 47 yards of penalties and 36 yards of penalties so you know Blake Bortles actually had to go the length of a field but that other guy Tom Brady he was dealing with maybe 20 yards maybe 30 maybe 13 so you know I mean do I I sense a little bit of blaming the officials in this (laughs) listen I'm not going to blame any official it looks like he was celebrating with the team after their first touchdown (laughs) (laughs) I do recall that I do recall that I think that hit the media uh, the internet pretty quickly after after the, the final snap i'm pretty sure about that i've seen that yeah and you know you know you have a good wife when you're sitting there at the game physically on site at gillette stadium and she's texting you going um what did i just see on television yeah so yeah. she's she, paying attention she knows what she's looking at yeah she knows I, I don't know what she's looking at you but she knows what she's looking at in sports oh she's she's looking at a guy that can hold his own i'll tell you that jerry i'm a, <laughs> I, i'm a pretty face and a strong mind you can't find that yeah. everywhere <laughs> Whatever you gotta do to convince yourself every day, Dan. You know. You know. Well, I, I, I heard. Same thing. I heard I'm prettier than Jerry McNamara. That's all I need to know. So it's up for debate. It's up for debate. <laughs> so let's get to basketball. You you have this team called Syracuse that you used to play on, and you're a current assistant coach on. I heard they're pretty good, and with five and a half players this year, six at most at times, all the way to to the Sweet Sixteen. You are part of the team that won the national championship, by far the sweetest ride. But I would venture to say as a coach that this ride, even though it didn't end with a championship, didn't end in the Final Four, had to be one of the sweetest rides you've ever seen Syracuse take. Yeah, you know, every every situation, every year, there's, there's different scenarios. You know, um, I don't know which coach had said it. Uh, it might have been Tom Izzo after after we had beaten Michigan State this year. That you know the the better you are. It might have even been Coach uh, referring to the Virginia loss to the uh, you know to UMBC. You know the better you are, the more it hurts. Uh, so I've been through kind of all of it. You know my first year back as a coach in 2009, 2010 with the with that group. You know I I'll say to this day was was probably the greatest gift. Uh, you know any any 18 to 22 year old kids could ever given me fresh off coming off, trying to play professionally and coming back a little bit injured, trying to get in this business. I fell in love with the coaching side of it because of what they were as a team. So I've seen, uh, I've seen every bit of every run. That was a devastating loss. Obviously Renze and walk who gets hurt that year uh, in the big East tournament. Uh, I've seen the, the, the run and uh, 
you know, when we lose to Ohio State after Fab Bello is, you know, ineligible. So I've been a part of the heartbreak. I've been a, a part of the elation. Uh, this year was, was, you know, as exciting as it was going to the Sweet 16. You know, I still sit back um, and, and you, know, I, you know, I replay the Duke game. It's not like, uh, you know, you lose to Duke and it's like, oh, 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 that's okay. What a great year. You know, no way. You know, I, I think that second half of the Duke game, um, you know, we left some plays out there. Uh, you know, am I incredibly proud of this group? Absolutely. Uh, with, with the amount of minutes that we've had to log. Uh, playing guys down, guys injured, guys playing injured. Uh, you know, Pascal was banged up, logging a lot of minutes. Barama, obviously, very injured. Uh, Matt Moyer hits the bad ankle sprain. Uh, Tyus Battle and, and, and Frank Marathon Ben O'Shea bangs up his ankle in the last game. So, uh, you know, they, they overcame a lot. Uh, and what they did was they banded together and, and, and just completely locked people up on the defensive end. What we did defensively you know this team reminded me a lot defensively of the 2013 team and what we were able to do in the NCAA tournament and they reminded me a lot as far as how they competed and never gave up as the 2016 team um you know I think it was like a month to go in the season and someone asked me about a group and I had you know off record not on radio or anything and I think I might have been talking to a high school coach and I said this this particular season reminds me quite a bit of 2016 these guys just Regardless of the situation, do not give up. They don't quit. Regardless if you're down double digits, they'll claw and fight and try to chip away. Uh, they don't seem to get rattled. You know, they just are who they are. They continue to just fight. And, um, I think that is really, uh, you know, the greatest compliment. You know, Frank. I think I think Frank said it best. You know, at one point, you know, everybody talked about that. He said, "Listen, you know, I get that. You're supposed to play hard. You know, we're a little bit talented too. Don't forget that." And I agree with him. You know, I think because of what everybody admired about how hard they fought and scratched and uh, always, always stayed in the basketball game every every single play, um, I think they lost the fact that we do have some good players, some guys that have really improved, some guys that have come on the scene and been ready to play. I mean, you look at how much better Frank had improved since his sophomore season, how much better Tyus Battle has gotten since he came in. You look at Marek, he was a different player down the stretch of the game. Look how much better Pascal. You know, all these guys, O'Shea burst onto the scene. Um you know, we, we, we got contributions and guys improved. I think what really hurt Matt was his injury. Uh, so it hampered him a little bit. And, uh, you know, Barama, his injury. But, you know, Barama's best game was 10 games off, you know, 10 days off. You know, I think it was we, we, we played, I believe, Boston College or, or what it was. And we go on the road and, and, and play Pittsburgh. Uh, and he essentially had 10 days off. Um, you know, he had, t- he had 10 days off between the Pittsburgh games because he took off the Boston College game uh, and goes in and scores 18 points and 16 rebounds because he finally felt a little bit healthy because he had some rest on that bump knee. So uh, these guys, there's so much to be admired, you know, about what they accomplished. But, you know, I, I don't think I'm doing my job or, or Coach Bayon's doing his job or, or the players are satisfied if we're not sitting back and evaluating every performance and uh, as great as we you know we were and get to the sweet 16 i know for a fact that those guys would have wanted to play kansas on that sunday you know and speaking here with jerry mcnamara syracuse orange alum as as well as current assistant coach on the team jerry i agree with you you know when you look at that they wanted to beat duke they wanted to move forward and continue to go that game numerous times in the second half i think it was three or four situations that Syracuse had whittled their deficit down to one point, and then there would just be a little bit here, a little bit there from Duke, and, and ultimately Duke wins by four. 
this, I mean, Syracuse frustrated everybody. They pulled everybody down to play their game, dictated the pace. I feel that watching this entire season, 37 games, that the best games that Syracuse played were in the NCAA tournament against Arizona State, TCU, Michigan State, and then even with Duke, what they what they pulled Duke down to and forced Duke to, you know, kind of play in this this very tight game. What did you take away from it? Because it kept getting close. There was that opportunity for Syracuse to pounce, and then Duke would come out just a little bit. But Syracuse made it it made it a struggle for the Duke Blue Devils all the way through to the bitter end of the game. Yeah, well, you know, I think obviously, I mean, it's it's well documented. We struggled in stretches offensively. Where we needed to hang our hat was on the defensive end. If you look back even to last season, you know, the games that we won, we outscored people. Uh, we didn't necessarily lock people up. Um, you know, I, I think one thing what these guys did such a great job of was, you know, they understood that every possession, we went through a stretch, I thought, in the middle of the season where we were turning the ball over entirely too much. And for a team that, you know, struggled a little bit because you, you had some, like you're saying, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of options because of the limited depth we had with injuries and, and whatnot, some transfers. And, you know, uh, we had to value the basketball because we weren't scoring enough points to throw possessions away. You just couldn't afford to. Uh, you know, it was hard to watch the team, you know, uh, lose a game when, when you hold at home Notre Dame to 51 points. You know, but we only scored 49. So, um you know, I, I think these guys, they just did such a great job of continuing to fight, put it together. Uh, you know, they, there's so much uh, to be admired. I, I think the Duke game, if you go back, I think the turnovers reared their head a little bit again. That, that, that to me, was the difference. I think the big thing in the second half of that game were, you know, with the basketball, uh, you know, one-point possession, three-point game. And, uh, you know, if, if – if, Put it this way, if, if we went to Cameron Indoor and, and the first time we played them, I think they went two for 18 from the three. Uh, and I had said after that game, there's no way we ever play those guys again and, and do that because what a great defensive performance. And then we hold them for two for 18 from the three in the second half. I mean, the, the second half was really tailor-made for us. Uh, they kind of fell into to, uh, you know how we like to play. Like, all right, you're going you're gonna to take contested shots. And... and uh, the two that they made were off turnovers. Uh, you know, I think that's that's the biggest thing is the two threes they bear, they made were off uh, a turnover. Uh, the, the the first one leading to a, a three point basket after we turned the ball over down three with the ball. Uh, then you know back to back defensive possessions. I believe we gave up two threes, and now all of a sudden a, a three point deficit is a nine point deficit. So you know, just in typical fashion, these guys guess what? They don't quit. They went they dwindled all the way back down to a one possession game and. Uh, just couldn't quite get over the hump, but you know, there's a combination of things. I thought uh, we were great defensively all year, which we were in that game. Uh, we struggled to score a little bit, but we were a little bit more effective. I think Marek's emergence late in the season uh, changed things a little bit for us offensively. Pascal had stretches where he was really good offensively, uh, you know, but the turnovers were the big difference. Uh, I thought in the Duke game, and uh, you know, I, I think if we clean those up, we're, we're probably hopefully you know theoretically when you talk about it with your guys you know you'd like to point to things of what we can control that's an area we can't control we have to be a little bit better with the ball and uh if we did that in that game it might have given us a little bit better opportunity to hopefully come away victorious 
And, you know, and like you said, you, you can't afford to turn the ball over. They win by four points, and there were two turnovers in the second half that led to points and, and led to that differential. And I, I was going to look back at things like that, you know, with teams at free throws down the stretch. If, if they had made more free throws, you look at where the game could have been and whatnot. You look at turnovers, and, and there was that direct correlation of if if a couple of those, of those possessions down the stretch – didn't turn into turnovers, then we're looking at potentially an overtime game. So, I mean, obviously always protecting the basketball is important, but I found it interesting that you had limited their possessions as a team or limited what they were doing on their possessions, but then when you give up one or two or three, then obviously, you know, you you let one go to them, and that's usually the difference in a game, especially when a defensively-minded team is playing in that game. Yeah, I mean both both sides of it. You know, I, I think even when you talk about that Duke team and what they did uh, prior to playing us, you know, it, it, I, I actually had the Duke scout. It was really, really interesting the first time we played them. Um, I, I think it was they had they had played the zone. I think for four consecutive games prior to playing us, they had they had mm-hmm. gone pretty much strictly to to go into the two three zone and. Um, in their previous 24 games or whatever it was, they had held opponents to uh, 50 points just twice. And that, that opponent happened to be the same opponent it was Pittsburgh. So the only two teams that they held in the 50s all season defensively uh, was Pittsburgh both times. And then the four games that they switched to that zone defense, uh, they held three of those four opponents in the 50s. So I, I, you know, I think that was this really the stage for them that they decided this is probably our best defense. And if you're talking about Duke, what they are, unquestionably is a good offensive team um, you know so so I think when you talk about them and, and them trying to give themselves the best chance to win is listen if we're going to go in a, a li- more limited possession game it's probably going to work in our favor if we're going with our best defense to rely on listen if this is the amount of possessions we get and we're playing our best defense we'll probably outscore people and um, you know for us to be right there with them to to go you know, at Cameron, and I think we scored 44 points in that game. I think prior to, to uh, our game at Duke, I, I think still to this to this point at the end of the season, that was their lowest output with 60 points at home uh, all season of what they scored. So uh, two really good teams. You know, obviously us being such a great defensive team, uh, you know, to turn around and, and hit the NCAA tournament, probably play our best basketball and uh, have a 21-point turnaround. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. It's a pretty big difference. I think it's a, it speaks volumes of how much better we got from similar position, you know, from different positions uh, as the the season progressed. Particularly from from what uh, Marek was able to do down the stretch for us. Certainly in the middle of the zone, he played a really really nice game in the middle of, this, of the Duke zone. And when you see that, when you when you see what this team did, when you kind of realized what you had, and and you know, obviously you you prepare for Andrew White to be done. You prepare for for John Gillen to be done, and then Tyler Lydon, you know, he lets you know he's going, so you prepare for that. Torian Thompson comes a little bit closer to the season, so you have to prepare that. Of the five scores from from a season ago, only Tyus Battle was returning. Frank Howard needed to step up and be a better offensive player than the first two years combined. I think that he came through with that. He needed to minimize his turnovers that he was doing in the beginning of the season, which he worked to do that, improve his three-point shooting and his jump shot in general, which he did there as well. 
and then O'Shea Brissett steps up. I mean, just, you know, what can you say as a staff when you look at the team saying, okay, we're asking Frank to do something that he hasn't done before and needed to do. We have Tyus, and, and there's a lot of pressure on him. O'Shea's coming in as a freshman. Howard Washington didn't get a lot of time. Marek was not looking for his shot and really started to get confident and, and kind of tenacious on the offensive side in the tournament. Pascal's coming back from eye surgery. Barama wasn't 100% this season. You guys didn't make excuses, but it definitely was – there was some challenges and some adversity this year – as a staff, what did you know? What did you kind of do in in the in the trenches? I mean, did it really come down to getting the guys together and saying, "Okay, you know what we're going to do? We're we got to score. We obviously have to put points on the board, but we're going to be suffocating on defense." And we know the two-three zone is effective, but this year's two-three zone seemed to be even more impressive. So I just want to see on the background of it all, kind of what the conversation was and what you honed in on knowing that you had limited bodies this year. Yeah, you know, I, to be honest, I think it's a, a little bit of combination of both. I, I think we were blessed as, as a staff to, you know, have kids that we recruited that, you know, have the desire to win. Um, you know, these guys, when it, when it all mattered, you know, they, they went all out. Um, you know, you can coach that all you want, but at the end of the day, these kids have to go out there and want it. And I think they did that. I think the other side, the other 50% is that if we really, really in this program, we pride ourselves on skill development. You know, for guys like Tyus Battle, uh, who had a bigger role, if you look back to last season, he was starting to progress, uh, got the flu, but over the last 10 games, averaged 17 points a game. I mean, um, you know, Frank Howard, you know, did he prepare himself to step into a lead role? Um, you know, guys like Marek, who got better as the season went on, guys like Pascal. I, you know, I think the, the big thing is we've always prided ourselves in this program on individual skill development, uh, getting better, you know, not just in the off season, but as the season progresses. What do we need to work on? Uh, you know, I think it was a combination of both. I think these guys got in the gym. They got in there, you know, with their position coaches, with all of us. And, uh, when practice hit, they were usually already a full workout in. Uh, and then as, as practice hit, they were prepared to focus in on what we were going to do schematically. So uh, a, a lot of credit goes to these guys. You know, it's such a, a, a sport, you know, all, all major sport now. And, uh, you know, how accessible these guys are with social media. Uh, you know, these guys are so easily critiqued. Everybody, you know, everybody's got their own opinion and they can voice it now. You know, they can go directly at these guys. Uh, you know, so... It's a testament to them uh, how much work they put in. No one, regardless of how critical people are, uh, no one is harder on these kids than the kids themselves because no one understands how hard they work, how much time they put in, uh, how this is what they wake up and think about. This is what they want to be. This is what they're going to strive to be in the next year. Uh, You know, these guys work incredibly hard. So uh, to watch them go out and have that type of success, you know, what's funny is, especially for me going through it as a player, uh, being on the coaching side of it for, for quite some time now. Uh, it's such a great reward. Uh, you know, Hop had said to me years ago, I, I've been working with Trevor. We've been working really, really hard. Uh, you know, he was getting some slack his freshman year when, after his redshirt year that he, you know, he wasn't ready and then he had a breakout game. Uh, and I was, I was, I literally, I never forget. I was, in, I was almost in tears at the big East, uh, watching him perform. I think he had 10 points and six rebounds in the first half against Georgetown. Uh, the one year, and and I remember Hop and I were talking about it after the game. He said, "Isn't that the most intoxicating feeling in the world? Just seeing a kid finally get it, have his moment." 
it is. You know, I was really, really happy for these guys because they're all such great kids. They work hard. They do it for each other. Uh, it's fun to be around when it's like that. And, um, you know, they worked really hard to earn it. You know, so to watch them have that type of success in, in the month of March, uh, it's what we do this for. You know, it's, it's why these kids do it. It's why they, you know, they grow up being a fan of a certain program or a certain sport because they watch other guys do it. They watch the feeling of, of a winning shot or a winning play or a dunk or whatever it may be to inspire them. And uh, to see them have that type of success because of the work they put in, it's, it's an incredibly rewarding feeling as a coach to watch them go through that. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Speaking here with Jerry McNamara, Syracuse Orange assistant coach and obviously a Syracuse alum of the basketball program himself. Jerry, before I let you go, a few things about this team. Number one, you're working predominantly with the guards. So I want to start with Tyus Battle. 
And, you know, Frank told me this season, he said, this team goes through Tyus. That's what he said going into the year. And he said, we're okay with that. So I want to start there with Tyus Battle. Your thoughts on what he did as a sophomore coming off of a true freshman season and needing to be a, a leader right away. And then secondly, the leadership of Frank Howard and how much Frank improved from freshman to sophomore to what he was this season as a junior. Well, you know, all Tyus did was average 19 a game this year and hit big shot. <laughs> big shot after big shot. You know, I, I, I got called, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's uh, you know, going to have a decision to make of, of his future. Of, you know, everybody's everybody's allowed to test now. And, you know, obviously the NBA is going to do their part and call. And, uh, you know, I was talking to someone just in the last 24 hours about him. I received a phone call about him and they asked me, you know, when, when you think of them, you know, what's the thing that jumps out the most? And I said, to be honest with you, you know, the thing that jumps out the most to me is, and I don't have this stat, and I'd love, I'd love to have it. What did Ty's battle do in his first two years of the last two minutes of a basketball game? Uh, you know, you even think back as, as, you know, think back to his freshman year of the game where he gets clips, and think back to the Michigan State game where he's struggling, and what happens when the game's on the line. He hits a big shot. You know, the guy not only was an elite level scorer, but he, he figured out ways to win, you know, he figured out ways to win basketball games. And, uh, you know, if the ball doesn't slip out of his hands, I still think about it. The Notre Dame game. I think he wins that game, you know, it's just the way he's done it, you know? So, uh, for him to come in as a sophomore year, you talk about that freshman, to sophomore year jump. Uh, he didn't just, he didn't just, you know, make the jump. He exceeded my expectation of what he became. He's such a great kid. He works so hard and, uh, to watch him battle the way he did, you know, no pun intended, but, you know, to go through the season he did with the, minute, the minutes he logged, all the pressure we put on him offensively to make plays, especially late games, uh, he was terrific. You know, the thing that excited me late in the season, I thought he got better distributing the basketball. I think the last game he had four or five assists, uh, which was a dramatic improvement from where he was in the beginning and the middle of the season. Uh, he started to not just score, but he started to get to the paint and make plays for other people. Uh, you know, so just really happy, really happy with Frank. He had a great summer, uh, you know, coming in and working and, you know, the, the, the all the hours that, you know, go into it. Uh, you know, it's difficult to watch guys, and I've seen it, where they work really hard and they feel primed and ready and they don't have the season that they're, they're looking for. And uh, This guy had the season he's looking for. I still think he could get a lot better, uh, which is, you know, so much fun for me because I know that we have work to do. Uh, you know, you look at the turnover numbers and you know that he could go out and be more efficient. He improved his jump shot drastically. Uh, you know, there's a lot of areas that I feel like he can improve on and he kind of comes off a really, really good year. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm really happy with those guys. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've developed a great relationship and I think you develop a certain bond. Uh, you know, I had that type of bond on the court with some of the guards that I played with. Uh, certainly Josh Pace. Uh, we logged a lot of minutes together, and, and I think Frank and Ty has developed that bond this year, uh, logging a significant amount of, uh, of of minutes together. But more importantly, being responsible for for a lot of the results, you know, being you know responsible for a lot of those win columns. And and as you move forward here, you have the opportunity with this team, like you said, you answer questions about Tyus, and he's going to have a decision to make. But when you get those phone calls from you know NBA scouts, NBA execs, whatever it may be, you know you're going back and forth, like you and I have talked about off the air, that it's it's fluid. 
that Tyus today could be staying, tomorrow could be going based on what he hears. When when they call you and, and they speak with you about Tyus, you know, like you said, they, they say, you know, what has he done in the last two minutes of a game, The la- you know, the last two seasons? What other questions do you get? Do you get character questions? Do you get anything that kind of stands out to you as, as a strange question? I know the Cleveland Browns, in, in their interview process, had asked Jason Bromley, what are 10 different things you can do with a paperclip? So I, I never know if you got anything weird like that. But do you, you know, kind of what do you get when they call you about Tyus? Well, I, 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 if they ask me that, I say, well, he's no MacGyver, you know, number one. Um, yeah, you know, they, 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 they go through everything. And when they come to the character issue, I said, let's move on. You know, let's move on. Next one. <laughs> Next one. There's no need to even discuss this. Um, you know, so you get all, uh, you know, a variety of things. I think the, the most important thing is, um, when most of these guys call us, what type of worker is he? What type of teammate is he? What type of student was he? How was he with the, with the rest of the staff, with the strength and, and um, conditioning staff, you know, with coach Cabillas, how was he with Brad Pike, with the training room? How did he treat the student managers? Things, things of that nature. Um, you know, and, and, you know, when you talk about a guy like him, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing negative about Ty's battle. The guy, the kid is, is top notch, you know, type of person, uh, you aspire your own children to be like, you know, so, uh, you, you get a, a wide variety of things. Uh, you know, I heard something, I heard one of the guys that I actually was in the pre-draft camp with said when he had a team interview, they said, how many basketballs do you think it would take to fill this room? You know, so I, luckily I haven't, I haven't had to deal with any of those questions, but you know, you never know when they're going through these draft interviews of, of you know, what people think or why they think to ask something like that. And, and how difficult is it for you, Jerry, because you obviously care about Tyus. Like you said, you believe he can get better. You, you know, you know, if he stays with Syracuse, that this team can be better. This team can make another run, but at the same time, you're looking out for him. You want him to make a good decision. You want him to live the dream he's always had. So as as his coach in in his room as you know as the coach of the guards and then on this staff in general how difficult is it for you to look at the personal side the professional side and and knowing that you want to help him do what's best for him and at the same time you're on a coaching staff that wants to win so how do you balance all of that well i think i think the way they've done it uh now with the ability to test it's it's helped kids um you know, the problem is now you have uh, an absurd amount of people that are trying to do it. You know, people that don't ha- have a realistic chance. I think Tyus is certainly one of the guys that have a very, very realistic chance of, you know, what his future holds at the next level. Uh, you know, for our, from our standpoint, it's just about gathering all the information, uh, weighing the pros and cons. And there's pros and cons uh, really to every situation. And there's definitely some pros on either situation here, whether he goes, you know, uh, the elation of, of – watching a kid that you were so fortunate to be around and work with have an opportunity to go play at the next level, his dream, or the, the, the fact that you get the opportunity to have him back in your program, who he's the model citizen, best player, uh, who has a, a, even more room to potentially grow and get better uh, and graduate. You know, So there, there's so many different uh, things to weigh, uh, you know, pros to everything. But the, but, but the most important thing now, which is the biggest benefit, is that these guys get a little bit more accurate information of where they're projected. And, uh, when you get that information, you kind of make your best educated decision of what you're going to do. And from our standpoint, it's just, you know, it's so great as a staff to watch some of our guys be able to live their dream. I mean, it's the reality. And I know it's frustrating for 
certain people, certainly fans, uh, because they understand of you know the benefit of some of these guys coming back. Uh, but you have to also understand that uh, from the perspective of, of what these guys uh, you know want to accomplish, and, and, and the, the reality of it is, these guys all envision and aspire to be NBA players or professional basketball players, and uh, we're just really, really lucky to help them along the way. And, and you know, for the most part, we've been incredibly blessed to have some unbelievable kids in our program that, that get to live that chance. Uh, coming from Jerry McNamara and Jerry uh, Darius Baisley, now that he is uh, quote-unquote pro, he's giving up his amateur status and heading to the G League. I spoke with uh, with Alan Griffin about this, and Alan obviously had spent a lot of time as, as the recruiter for him and, and working very closely, and I know that the staff has you know looked at the opportunity of bringing him on just what you can say about it. I mean, if you if you don't want to go to college, there is a way to get around it. You can go play overseas for a year, you get, and as long as you're 18 years old, you can move on from there, put yourself in the – it's got to be you're your 18 or older, you go overseas, you come back, you're in the draft. Or you're 18 or older, you go into the G League for a year, and then you're in the draft. The, you know, Darius Baisley's doing the here in the States G League, nobody owns his rights – He's going to play for a year. He'll be 18 in June. He can sign on in September, be in the draft in October for the G League, play for a year, and then be in the NBA draft in 2019. Just what your take is on the kind of loophole of, of college sports and what guys can do. And then, you know, what happened with Darius Baisley as obviously your coaching staff, all of you together, spent almost a year with Darius Baisley in this future plan. Yeah, um, you know, it's different. You know, it's a different scenario than than I think really anybody's had to deal with. We haven't really seen this. Uh, usually, if a guy's going to go, uh, they're going to go overseas and, and, and play overseas and then into the draft. This is a little bit different, uh, a little bit later, I think, than anybody ever would have envisioned. You know, to say the least. Uh, you know, but uh, again, you know, it's I think Coach said it best. Uh, you know, the other day about. You know, just my, my biggest thing, to be quite honest, was initially when when this all took place, I played in that league. Um, you know, and, and the big thing coming out of high school is it's one thing if you're on assignment in the G League, you know, and, and you get sent down and they're going to work with you and uh, their main priority is to make sure you're in the lineup and play you. I think the, the, the one thing that's, uh, you know, a little bit concerning to me about making that move is, is the fact that you are in a league with, no, there's really no, you don't, they don't own your rights. So if, if you know, you and I are, are a coach and GM of, of an affiliate for one of these NBA teams and we have one of these high school guys that come out and then we have two players on assignment, we have two players that are two-way guys, um, you know, the chances of this, this high school kid who's with us for this particular year, it's probably a 99% chance that we don't draft him in our franchise. So I think that was the biggest thing, um, you know, from a development standpoint. I think that, that's where college... Uh, gives you the biggest advantage um, other than the fact that a school like Syracuse gives you a national platform uh, to build your national brand. Um, but but the, the development piece to me was was the big one. And I think Coach said it best that traditionally, you know, usually we get these guys in May. Um, we've been really lucky because guys like being up here so much that they stayed May through both summer sessions, taking them into August. So they're really getting May, June, July, August. You know, get on the court, work with the strength and conditioning, get stronger, use that five six, build it right into September, 
uh, and then you're ready to practice in October. So you're really getting all those months to work on your game. And in the G League, you're playing 50 some games. Um, you know, it, it's there's very little room. Um, from what I remember and how they travel, uh, you know, a lot of buses, uh, very little room for that individual skill development time. Whereas in college, you know, we're chartering here. We're very, very fortunate to do that at major university. But, you know, we'll charter. We'll be back. We spend a lot of time, like we talked about, on skill development. There's really usually only three games in a week at most. Um, you know, and you're playing, you know, probably two-thirds of that schedule. So there's a little bit more room for the development piece. Um you know, so so that, that that those are the big concerns for me, um, as far as a high school kid making that move to the G League, just from what I remember of it. Again, and, and you know, every 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 interaction I've had with Darius Bays has been a, a very good one. A great kid, mother seems like a great family. You know, um, just making the decision that he feels is best. You know, obviously everybody has their own opinion on it. Um, you know, our opinion at this point is is you know, good luck. We we, we hope it it really works out for him. And and you move forward, you know, looking for and and we've talked about this that people are kind of, you know, they wanna they wanna scream a crisis, but the team made it to the Sweet Sixteen with with five and a half six guys this year. You're gonna have ten minimum next season. You have depth at every single position for the team next year. If you know if if Tyus comes back, if everybody is healthy and ready to go, I mean, you you look at the front court with. Barama and Pascal at the center position. You look at O'Shea and Marek that'll be down, you know, at the forward positions. And, and then you look at the fact that, you know, Jalen Carey, Buddy Bayheim will be coming in and, and you have Frank, you have a guy like Elijah Hughes that can bounce around everywhere. You have Howard Washington Jr., Tyus Battle. There's a lot to be said about what's to come with this team. And there's an argument that all 10 guys could and potentially should play. So, when you hear kind of the you know the 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 sky is falling about Syracuse, I find it kind of hilarious because the sky was supposed to not only be falling, but but God was supposed to scorch the earth this year. That didn't happen, and now the sky is falling with a team that has ten players and potentially could have more when all said and done. Well, I, I, you know, to, to, to quite honestly, I think I think that reaction um, more so is because the guys you just named are really good players and. and Guess what? So is Darius Baisley, you know. So I think that was, uh, you know, obviously you're going to have some some backlash, and, and you know, Darius Baisley is an immense talent. Um, you know, there's no question about it. So, um, you know, to add him to the to the pieces that we felt like were already a really good team in place, you know, I I think the anticipation of of what we could have potentially been with him uh, had raised the expectation, but. You know, our, our expectation as a staff remains the same every year. You know, we expect to compete on a national stage uh, for the biggest prizes. That's why we do this. Uh, that's why we were so excited to be in the position we were in March. Like I said, I'm looking at that two or three possession stretch game where, you know, I want to be playing on that Sunday looking to go to that Final Four. So, uh, you know, the, the, the bar hasn't changed, uh, whether it's one player that comes or not. Uh, we fully anticipate this is what where our goals are going to be. This is why you, you should want to come to Syracuse. This is what we expect to be involved with. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I, I think the additions that we have, I mean, Jalen and Buddy are really, really good players. Uh, depending on what Tyus does, obviously a proven winner. Uh, Elijah Hughes, I'm really, really excited about getting a chance to be around him this past year, watching him. You know, at the end of the day, when you have guys that can play multiple positions and when they can create their own shot, when they need to, those guys are invaluable. And, and Elijah could do all those things. And he's continued to work on his body and just continue to get better and stronger. 
uh, you know, Barama is healthy. So there, there's just a lot of, there's going to be a lot of pieces. We're excited about what we have coming back. Uh, we're going to move forward like we always do. And, uh, you know, we're excited. We're ready to get going. And finally, for you, Jerry, as you get set already for this upcoming season and obviously recruitment in and out of the dead period when you have those opportunities to take them when they're, when they're given and, and kind of see what else is out there, I asked Adrian about if, if we're shooting – you know, if we're shooting deep shots, if we're if we're having a three point contest or a half court contest, whatever, he said it's all Jerry and, and all Eric all day. He said that that's not a game for Allen and I. But he said in the trenches, it's Allen. So he said you guys can still put it up. I know you can still put it up. But I got to ask you, I know that people are in there. I just saw Mookie. I saw you know Ryan Blackwell. I know the guys come back. I know they play. I know they get after it. I know that you do your thing. I know Eric does his thing. And I, I know that obviously, you know, Adrian and, and Alan are out there shooting a little bit too. What can you tell me about the Mellow Center, the dynamic, and who you would bank on on the coaching staff? Is it you, or would you give that to somebody else? I'm, uh, are you asking me to would I bet against myself? I, I, I'm I'm asking you feet to the fire <laughs> to be honest you because know me better than that. Because Jerry, you well, you said on the show that I wasn't the prettiest one on the phone right now. We know that you were lying, so I want you to be truthful about this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put it out there. Eric and I have been playing quite a bit of one-on-one. Uh, you know, right after the season ended, and we were, you know, you go through that period where you're just not depressed, but more angry yeah. that it's over. Because you know, if you're not the last team standing, and you're not upset about that, you shouldn't be in this. Uh, so we get in the gym, play a little music, and go at it. And um, he got me last week. He, he got me last week. The man is in impeccable shape. I'll blame it on my responsibilities for opponent scouts, and I'm not ready to compete at that high a level. But you no, know, it's I mean it's so much fun to be around guys that have done it at such a high level. Um, you know, the the one consistent uh, that you'll find with our staff is every single one of us is a competitive soul. I mean, just to, to the bone. We're all just competitors. Uh, Red and Allen were as players. Uh, I remember coming up to to, to watch Allen, uh, you know, working out after practice. The first the first Syracuse practice I ever attended. Uh, Allen Griffin was in the gym busting his butt. I remember the first day Eric came on campus and joined our group when I was a senior. So uh, I'm really really lucky to be around great people, people that are really intelligent about the game, but are workers. Uh, and and you know we're led by a Hall of Famer that's as competitive as anybody there ever was. So. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for me to be around these guys, you know, not not just great colleagues, but lifelong friends as close as, you know, you know, when you're when you're around a team, I mean, that, that becomes your family. Uh, you know, so I spend, uh, you know, more time with 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 uh, these guys. Kip Wilman, our director of ops, is one of my close friends. Uh, just been been really lucky. You know, my experience here, I'm very blessed uh, to be around great people. I think we all are. And I, and I think, you know, I've seen Frank you know, drain a bunch of threes in practice. And I've seen Tyus drain a bunch of threes in practice. But I don't know if anybody can can hold a candle to Jerry McNamara. I mean, I, I don't – I'm not trying to – not trying to, you know, make give you a bigger head or boost the ego up here or anything like that. But I would venture to say that you can still put it up there pretty good. I, listen, the legs went. The legs are not – they're not <laughs> existing. There's no more dunking. Uh, that ended about two years ago. Uh, but the stroke's not going anywhere. Don't sleep on Katie Kalinske. Katie Kalinske, our grad assistant, could, can, she could she could fill it up too. So uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, a lot of pickup games over the years. But 
you know, again, it's it's uh, it's really a blessing when you have a the, the facility that we have to come to work every day. I'm in my office looking down at uh, two beautiful courts and, and a couple banners, so it's not, not a bad gig. And you get to go to home, go home to somebody named Kate, and so do I. So I, I guess I guess we pick some some smart people out there. But as always, Jerry, I, I appreciate you know you taking some time with me today. And and all jokes aside, you know you're always a consummate professional and always fun to talk to. And I know people loved what you did as a player, but on this coaching staff, two Final Fours in a, in a span of three years, and a team that you know put a lot inside of the hearts and minds of people this season. So on behalf of the community that supports Syracuse, I'm sure they'd want to say thank you. So for them, I will say thank you. Well, you know, that's, that's why this place is special. You know, it's, it really is the, the, the support that, that uh, the university, the program gets. Um, you know, this isn't just about us. It's about the, the, the product you're putting out on the court for people to be proud of. Uh, I went through that as a player. I take it very serious as a coach. So, um, you know, again, I, I've, I've always said I, I would love to be a part of, uh, you know, national championship team as a player and, and certainly as a coach. So that's that's the goal. We take that very seriously, and our players do as well. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I was educated on when I first got here was the history behind this place of why it is important, why it is special. Uh, and that's something that we certainly carry on with our former guy, with our with our current guys. You know, I, I'll never forget it when, when Lawrence Moton, was was uh you know it came out that they were going to retire his jersey this year he came over to the dome i think two days after the story had had, had just come out and he came down he sat along the, the seats court side and i was working out the entire guard group i think it had six or seven guys and i stopped my workout and i made those guys go over to lawrence and congratulate him and tell him he's one of the greatest to ever do it this is why we're in the position we're in because of guys like this he helped build it so we're, we're very aware of why it is the way it is. We're very aware of the support that we get, and we take that very seriously. Um, and we're not going to sleep until we get the job done. You know, that's what this is about. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? 
Joe, I hope you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you're all doing well today, enjoying your morning, and enjoying your week. Hope you're having fun, making the most of it. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I want to thank, I want to thank God for putting this mic in front of me. I want to thank myself for having the confidence and just getting up every single morning and no matter how many times I've questioned this or questioned that or thought about this or thought about that I'm not perfect but I always show up and it's funny how I say well I'm afraid of this or I don't want to do this or what if I do this and this but I always end up doing it I'm always here I'm always on the broadcast I'm always on the mic I'm always being me so you know for me no matter what has scared me or what I thought is has ever has ever held me back or anything it never has i've always been there for myself and i said to my wife all the time i'm like you know i tell you all these things of like what if i do this and what if i do this and what if somebody says this and what if this happens and what if that happens and then i always end up going well i'm a, you know i don't know if i want to do this today and then i do it i don't know if, what people think of me if i do this but then i do it and I've always shown up, no matter how nervous, concerned, or hard on myself, or second-guessing I am, I always show up, and that in and of itself should keep me from second-guessing myself for the rest of my life. That's the irony, is if I show up every time I do that, then why do that anymore? Because I'm going to show up anyways, and I'm always going to answer the call. So, you know, uh, I just, uh, I appreciate my life. I appreciate myself and I appreciate my friends, my family, my listeners, my readers, my viewers, my supporters on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, on Twitter at Call DT, on Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT because you people are not only supporting me, but you're very positive and you're very nice. And a lot of you put up inspirational quotes and they move my heart. So thank you. And I really appreciate that. And it means a lot to me. So as much as, you know, if if I do anything to help your life, that's great. But you guys do so much to help mine too. So thank you for that. And and thank you to everybody that's ever stood in my way because you've made me better. You've made me stronger. You've gotten me to this point. All of the knuckleheads out there have made me even better than I ever thought I could be. And then some. And I don't know if that's a true statement because I always thought, you know, I've always had a lot of faith in myself. So maybe I need to word that a different way. For everything that stood against me, you all have fallen. And so if I could tell anybody about anything, it's if you stand against me, you'll eventually end up on the ground. 
it's an unfortunate for you, but you could always not waste your energy on standing in my way because you're not going to win. Ectocore said, are you afraid of black raincoats? I'm not, but I didn't have to get out of the car. So <laughs> he did. So, oh my goodness. That's the crazy thing about it. See, Ectocores and I, I get to know my listeners and uh, Ectocores and I have got to know each other over time. And so, you know, there was, there was a little escapade with, you know, people that I just find it interesting when somebody like sells something on a site, you know, and I always said to my wife, you know, like whenever someone's like, Hey, my couch is on sale and they're on Craigslist. I was like, the fine print says my couch is on sale, but you have to, you can have my couch. You can buy it from me as long as you keep it in my house and sleep in my basement so I can watch you sleeping. Like that's, that's how I feel. And it's no knock on Craigslist. I just feel like some people are creepy that sell stuff. I just get that vibe, you know? So I like to, when you're buying something from somebody over the internet, I like to do it in packs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Excellent Course knows all about that. Got to do it in packs. Got to make it happen. So I, uh, I appreciate the the humor that EctoCores just sent over. Thank you so much for that, my good sir. But yeah, I, I just want to say thank you for everybody for your support and listening into the show. I want to give a, a huge thank you to Jerry McNamara today for the Jerry McNamara Power Hour. Did y'all like it? It was good stuff, right? Jerry McNamara, a lot of fun. Jerry has been on the show. Alan Griffin, Adrian Autry, all the assistants have made it happen. They've all been on the broadcast doing their thing. You know, JB's been on a bunch of times. And we've had a couple sit-downs with Mr. Bayheim, So, you know, th- this this wake-up call show has become something very special. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that at the beginning when I had no listeners and was starting off for the first time and turned the mic on for the first time and didn't know who was going to listen and who was going to be on the other side and who was going to sponsor the show and what guests were going to come on, I've always banked on myself. I've always bet on me. And I'm here. 32 years old, working my own business, almost seven years of being open as my own business, and and 15 years of doing this, doing this broadcast writing reporting thing. So, I mean, I, (laughs) like I said, whenever you're saying to yourself, I can't get through this, I can't do this, it's impossible, why did this happen to me, God, why'd you do this to me, there's no way that I can make it, there's no way that I will be successful. I'm afraid of what people are saying. I'm I'm afraid of what they'll think. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I don't want to deal with this. They make fun of me. They tell me this. I question myself. Whatever it may be, look at your life. You thought you couldn't make it out of a relationship alive, and now it's 10 years later. You thought that you couldn't go through your divorce, and now you're happily married to somebody who loves you and treats you with respect. You thought that you could not get past an animal passing away, but you're here today smiling, honoring their memory, and being a great person. You thought that you couldn't get to this point in your life and this point in your career, and now you're past that point that you wanted to get to. You thought that you couldn't, and then you did. So every time you think you can't again, remind yourself that you already did. And all of a sudden, the fight gets a little bit easier, a little bit sweeter, and a little less stressful, a lot of less stressful. Have a great day, folks. This is the final day that my wife will be 28. So happy 28 years, Kate, and a happy early 29th birthday to one of the best people to ever walk the earth. One of the best people that I've ever known. 
and the person that can literally look me in the eye and knock me back into sense within seconds. She did it like 20 times this morning. They say behind every man is a good woman. I say beside every man is a good woman. Because if I'm not arm in arm with my wife, I'm not respecting her and I'm not living life to the fullest. I'm not behind her. She's not behind me. We are together. And by being together, we're supporting each other. We're behind each other, so to speak. I love you, babe. Happy early birthday. And God bless you always. Thanks for making my life that was already great even more amazing and reminding me every single day that there's nothing to complain about. There is nothing in my life to complain about. And there's nothing in yours either. And I know things might be hard and I know things might be difficult. And I want to send my love and my prayers and my support to little man Mason in central New York today because he's going through some surgery. And I want to send my love and support to Miss Mary, my Aunt Mary, who's going through some surgery today, that you both come out of it better than ever, healthier than ever, that you heal completely and for good, that you heal through God no matter what, and that you handle well whatever comes your way, that you are healthy, safe, happy, filled with all of God's great gifts, and that you spend them all doing God's will, and that you're well, whatever God you believe in, whatever you believe in, that you go out and you be good to people. That's what I'm trying to say. Go out and be good in the community, be good to yourself, just be good to people. Just spread love, spread positivity. If you're going to spread anything in this life, it's good. Goodness. You don't spread viruses, you don't spread hate, you spread good. So to all of them that need the extra prayers and need the extra love, we all do, I send them all to each of you. And I send extra love and support to Mason and to Mary. And I send my love and my prayers and my my hopes and my dreams and my support. I send it up to God for myself, for my wife, for my dog, for my mom, for my dad, for all of you. (laughs) We are so much better when we band together. Tomorrow morning, on my wife's birthday, the only work I'm doing tomorrow because I've decided that doing my show, I'm dedicating that to you, but the rest of the day, I mean, my wife has been more than accommodating to my career and understanding. I mean, for goodness sakes, I was gone for all but five days and three weeks of March, and she was amazing and took care of the house, took care of the dog, took care of her life, did everything she needed to do. She was a miracle this whole time. So tomorrow and every day, There's time spent with with the woman that makes my life so wonderful. And I love her and I appreciate her. So tomorrow I'll be on the show. Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Jalen Carey, Syracuse signee, 2018 incoming freshman with Buddy Bayheim, The only other person coming in with Darius Baisley going to the G League as of now. So Jalen Carey will join me tomorrow for an extra special special. He'll be on the show for the first time ever. And we'll do some other cool things on Thursday's broadcast, including Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. That is all coming up this week, and it's all coming up tomorrow, Thursday, August, April 5th. I don't know if I said August. I'm very tired. It's <laughs> Thursday, April 5th. We'll be here with you folks. So Jalen Carey coming up tomorrow, coming off of Adrian Autry, 
Buddy Bayheim, Alan Griffin, and Jerry McNamara. Plenty of Syracuse basketball after the season is over. I told you folks, it never truly goes away. When you're listening to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I keep you in it all day, every day. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me. I'd like to think I'm a good person, and it's really nice to meet a lot of great people such as yourselves. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. Be safe, be healthy, be well, be happy. And if for nothing else, be happy in your own skin. Be happy that that something bigger than all of us loves you. And be happy that you got me praying for you, hoping that everything in your life that you dream and hope for, that you achieve. Have a great day, and I'll talk with you soon.